Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder Treason No Plot. Thank you all for joining us yet again, and this is going to be a very special episode, because this week I am joined only by James Bunkle, our clanless Rogar, our paladin. Say hello, James. How are you The reason why it is just him is because... Well, we've been alluding to this during the last few sessions, and you may have noticed that Rogar has a few things going on that no one either knows about or aren't quite normal paladin things, and that's because Rogar has been doing some secret, secret things in the background. He knows a few things that the rest of the party doesn't, and being that the rest of the party didn't even get to listen in to any of the other sessions we did, this is entirely secret information. Which has uh, been quite interesting as the game has gone on. So, if you listen to the last episode, the uh, party managed to finally defeat Thoric Spinebreaker. Tommy blowing his brains out in the middle of the street and putting an end to his menace and potentially to the gang war. And after that, they all went for a nice little nap and some weird and wonderful dreams. You'll notice, however, that Rogar didn't get a dream. That's because Rogar didn't go to sleep. He has something he wants to do. Now, I'm going to give you all a little bit of a recap of what's been going on with Rogar. Initially, he was a paladin of Bane. But due to a few, well, run-ins with an entity known as the Whispering Man, Rogar effectively changed allegiance during a sort of dream, sort of reality. He's not quite clear whether it was real or not, but the effect of swapping guard was very real. Rogar signed himself over to the Whispering Man, he signed his name in a mysterious black book, and from that moment on, all of his powers and strength have come from that entity. Now, it was a bit of a trial in both parts, because Rogar had to defeat some powerful creatures, and he was rewarded with Devil's Sight and an ability called Eldritch Resilience. Devil's Sight works the same as the Warlock ability, and Eldritch Resilience gives him temporary HP every day. After that, due to a run-in with a cult that is working underneath the city, the Cult of the Crimson Tongue, Rogar with a little bit of luck, worked out that this cult also serves the Whispering Man, and he made contact with them and arranged a secret meeting. Now, that secret meeting had a fair bit of information that Rogar otherwise would not have found out, and the cult is led by a woman who only referred to herself as the Crimson Tongue. She gave Rogar a mission to collect some blood from the Prime Arbitrator as a bit of a... Well, I guess a signing on fee, I suppose you could say. And she also gifted him with something called the Unholy Script, which is a number of scarred writing done across Rogar's back, which has granted him the Comprehend Languages spell at will. He's not had much chance to use that yet, but it is there. And Rogar also found out a few other things, specifically around Sophia's brother, and what's been going on in the city as relates to the cult. Now, Rogar has a few things he wants to do, so... Rogar, 
You are still awake. You are in the townhouse. What do you want to do? So, recently, Handrel's come to me and told me his story. And, uh, you know, a bit about his background, which none of the other party actually know, because nobody's asked him. Uh, And that, basically, his parents were shot in an alley, and he wants to... um, basically get revenge and he's seen that I've gained all these extra things because I follow the whispering man and wants to join me as such Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and speak to the woman the crimson tongue and put this to her see if it's possible um, if there's anything that Andrew would have to go through to join in following the whispering man and then basically go from there mm. yes yeah, so to fill in a bit with Handrel um, Handrel told Rogar that both of his parents had been killed when he was a child and the only thing he had was the killer left behind two seemingly old gold coins that he's not been able to identify or trace basically Handrel would like to find the man that killed his parents and he has nowhere to start and he's hoping that the whispering man might be able to aid him in this quest specifically because rogar is here to kill someone it kind of tied up as a dual vengeance thing handle's quite interested in that so uh yeah go on rogar what are you doing you're uh, in your room at the moment as you faked going to sleep so um i'm gonna sneak out of the house okay um, I don't think I'm going to bring Handrel with me, just in case it goes a bit tits up. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't want him to be there to suffer anything. Okay. Because my idea is, if they say no for whatever reason, then I could almost recruit him myself. Mm-hmm. But that's my idea. Okay. So I think I, I'm going to let him know. I've already told him that I'm going to go speak to them and find out. So I think I'm going to do that, but leave him, you know, safe, almost. Okay. So you, I presume you're going to try, go back down the path you originally followed to reach the cult? Yes, yeah. Okay. Uh, From the townhouse, I think I said last time it takes about an hour and a half, maybe almost two hours to reach there. Uh, Doing it this time, it's a little bit quicker than two hours. I'll say it's down to an hour and a half because you've been this path before and with your uh, background ability, you do memorize things in terms of cities very well. So now that you have a bit of an idea of the winding path underneath the city that it took to get there, you get there, say, about an hour and a half. So it's about half three in the morning at this point. As you make your way underneath the city, it's the same as last time. You start off in the sewers and then it seems to transfer almost into a bit like a mine shaft as it goes deeper and deeper and it's no longer part of what is now Varadin. You go deep into the earth as you make your way down to what seemed to be some sort of ancient temple. Yeah. As you reach the temple, the doors are closed. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to knock on the door, I guess. Yeah, you approach these large 
black iron doors. They're, like, huge. They're, like, 15 foot high. You slam your hand on the door and it has this kind of echoey effect in the darkness all around you. After about five minutes or so, and you're kind of getting a little bit fed up, the door just starts to swing open. And you're greeted by, well, three people that you've met before. A man with a shaved head, covered in tattoos and scars, and his two bodyguards, the ones who almost seem to walk strangely and kind of flicker in and out of... uh, Seemingly almost like reality, like they seem to shift before your eyes. And uh, they greet you at the door. Rogar, it has been only a few days. You have returned? Yeah, uh, got a few more questions to ask. Just looking for a bit of guidance. You seek guidance from myself? I was actually trying to speak to... uh... The woman that I saw last time, uh, the, the Crimson Tongue herself. She is busy. I don't know if she will grant you audience. I can ask on your behalf if you wish to intrude. Well, maybe you can ask the question for me. Speak. See. I have a friend who wants to join up. He wants to, you know, dedicate his life to the Whispering Man, just as I have, just as we all have. And I'm basically, I'm looking to find out, you know, what you need to see from him, what, you know, what he needs to do to show you his faith. Make me a persuasion check. 13. 13. Okay. Let me do a roll. He looks at you. He seems to believe what you're saying. He seems... He does... He almost kind of looks straight through you. It's a little bit uh, intimidating as his kind of cold eyes just stare at you with that. Yeah, he kind of has this uh, zealotry to his eyes where he's... It's almost like a controlled passion as he... just stares these two holes straight through you and he seems to sort of nod a little bit and he seems to accept what you're saying and he goes the mistress may be interested in this wait here he turns to leave and the two uh, you've come to think of them almost like bodyguards step out of the temple and stand either side of you almost in a don't go anywhere kind of pose I assume you don't try anything. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to try to fire him. <laughs> he uh, disappears, and then he, he actually comes back quite quickly. It only takes him almost a minute. And he, the doors this time swing open entirely, and he goes, She will see you. Be quick. And he kind of stands to one side and points down the hallway. Do you uh, enter? Yes, yeah. As you enter this time, the first time you came here, you were a little bit overwhelmed. You uh, hadn't seen something like this before and it was a lot to take in. This time as you're a little bit more not necessarily confident but a little bit calmer. With your devil sight and you can see through like darkness and magical darkness, you actually start to look around the temple a little bit more and 
you kind of wish you hadn't. As you look around the walls and the ceiling, you see... You see bodies. You see flesh. You see bone and skeletons and chunks of people and things all arranged across the ceilings and the walls. It's almost like someone's tried to coat everything in a layer of of living flesh. Some of it's decayed and old, but some of it looks very fresh. You see little pools of blood upon the floor. Someone spent a lot of time doing a lot of horrible things in this place. One thing you do notice as you get to the end of this hallway, there's a another black iron door. Either side of this door, there are two people that are kind of in like a crucified position. They're both human, both male. They're completely naked. Parts of their skin has been removed and flayed. And both of them have had their lower jaws removed and their tongues sliced so that basically they bled to death through their mouth. And it kind of gives this effect of a long... uh, V of blood dripping down their chest as they died like that. You you start to get the impression of why they're called the Crimson Tongue. It seems to be a preferred method of dealing with people. Yeah. As you approach the door, you kind of go to knock on it to be polite and you just hear... Come in, Rogar. And you presume just go in? Yep, yeah, I'll go in. You walk inside and you're greeted to what kind of looks like a makeshift laboratory. Like a a makeshift arcane laboratory. There's lots of books piled on tables. There's lots of uh, little bits of what you presume are kind of arcane implements. There's vials of powders and dusts and liquid everywhere. In the back of the room, you can see the large, monstrous entity that she referred to as her apostle. The 12-foot-tall, armored, just small giant, for lack of a better term. He's flaming green aura around him, that large, monstrous scythe in his hands. Again, he just seems to be stood almost as still as a statue just in the corner, keeping an eye over his mistress. The Crimson Tongue herself, she's actually not looking at you at the moment. She's facing away from you, and she's got a table in front of her. And again, in this room, much like the outside, this isn't just a lab. This seems to be a place where she conducts, for lack of a better word, experiments. You see a lot of bodies in various states of life and death. Lots of them have been horribly tortured and mutilated. You notice right now, as she stood in front of you, she's wearing similar clothes to what she did last time, that long purple robe with um, her basically jet black hair going right down her back. Her arms, however, she's pulled the robe up and her arms are red from just blood. She's been working in here for a while as it's both dried and fresh in places. You see before you, uh, before her on the table, someone who's trying to scream but seemingly can't. They're still alive and sort of writhing. It's a, uh, it's a dragonborn actually. 
What's that? Um, I take it I don't recognize the Dragonborn on the table. Definitely not in this state, no. Okay. Um, I'm going to ignore that <laughs> <laughs> and ask my question quite directly to her. Okay. Um, and just explain that, you know, he's not looking to be into any of this kind of, you know, stuff on the side type of thing, but he's looking for a means to an end and he thinks the Whispering Man can help him do it. You know, does he need to do anything in particular to show his faith to the Whispering Man? To, to you know, to help him with his quest. Mm. When you ask your question, she stops working on whatever she's working on. You don't really want to ask what she's doing. Um, she turns to look at you and she's got the same kind of glowing light purplish eyes as she did before that are almost like crackling with arcane energy she kind of smiles at you with this slightly unnerving smile especially with all the blood and viscera around her and even a little bit on her face in places the whispering man accepts all comers if he has something he wishes to achieve I suppose he would be willing to assist. But you are correct. It comes at a price, as all things do. What's the price he needs to pay, then? She kind of ponders for a moment, and almost looks to the side, almost as if she's listening to something that you can't hear. I do have a matter that needs taken care of. If you would help me in this, I suppose I could help him. Okay, what's that? Within this temple, we have located a peculiar creature. One that I wish to be disposed of. I have not had time to deal with it myself. So you come at a good moment. If you would wish to guide your friend and help him. Perhaps you can guide him directly into the arms of the Whispering Man. Dispose of this abomination for me, and I will help him fulfill whatever dark little wishes he has. Any more information on what this creature is? <laughs> it is a pitiful thing. It was... Hmm. Once someone who craved knowledge and power now is weak and wretched. But in one sense, he serves someone I consider an enemy, so it is always best to dispose of these things rather than let them run amok in our temple. Okay. I think that's something that he should be able to take care of. Excellent. Does he need does he need to land the killing blow, or can I? As long as you both work together, that's fine. Okay. Interesting. All I require from the creature is its eye. Bring that to me as proof. You don't want any of its blood or anything like that, just its eye? Just its eye. That will do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm 
while I'm here, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask as a bit of a side thing. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask her if she can tell me any more about what my mole's ability is, since I noticed it's been sucking up blood, but I have no idea for what. Mm. Let's see if she can tell me or if she's willing to. Uh, make me a persuasion. Nine. She smiles at you and goes, Well, I did give you an example before, but if you need a little bit more prompting to truly understand, I suppose I can help. Your maul requires strength to change. The mark upon it hungers, and the more that you feed it, the stronger it will become. Looking at it now, it's probably getting quite close. You've been doing a good job to keep it well fed. Right, okay. Well, that's, uh, that's great. Thank you. You know, thank you for your time. Um, I'll come back with my friend and we'll uh, slay this creature and bring you its eye. Thank you. Okay, so do you... She kind of turns away from you at that point. It's basically, uh, yep. we're done here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> As you leave, you see the uh, shaved-headed man stood there again. The man you've come to know as David Landron. And he nods towards you and goes, You are bringing another in? Yep. She says he's, she wants him to kill this creature uh, that's hanging around the temple. Um, so, yeah, we're going to come in. We're going to deal with it. And, uh, yeah, don't suppose you can tell me what it is. Or if you've seen it. I'm not aware exactly what this creature is, but it seems to have certain abilities specifically around its eye. It has some sort of arcane strength to it, but I am unfamiliar with it. But come, if we must fret your friend to deal with it, then we should do so quickly. He uh, leads you away from the laboratory, back to a room that you went to last time. It was the room with the teleportation sigil that you used to leave last time. This time, however, he (coughs) steps in the sigil with you and seems to activate it together. And now you're back in Varadin City, almost just slightly off one of the main roads on in an alleyway. He turns to you and goes, I will wait for you here. Bring your friend quickly. Yeah, I'm going to get a jog on and grab Andrew. Okay. You uh, sneak back into the house. Knowing where Tommy left all his little traps, you deftly avoid it. As he probably <laughs> shouldn't have done that directly in front of you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You uh, presumably sneak into Handel's room to wake him up. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, I'm guessing, like shake him on the shoulder. As you do so, he like quickly grabs a blade and almost puts it through your eye. What, 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 what the fuck? Oh, Dragon Bro, what's up? You wanted him, bro? You want some help to find the uh, guy who killed your parents? Come with me, we've got somewhere to kill. Handle kind of shakes his head, kind of shakes the sleep off a little bit. Like, wow, sounds, sounds good to me, mate. 
Let's get a move on. He uh, quickly gets dressed, puts his uh, cloak of olden kind on, pops the hood up, and uh, sneaks out of the house. He presume you lead him straight back to David? Yes, yeah. Handel kind of looks for a moment and goes, Hang on a minute. I, uh, I recognize this bloke. He was, he was the one in, in the Rat Runners base, wasn't he? That one you guys had me yeah. watch. You're the Elizabeth. Yeah. On a side note, he's Sophia's missing brother, uh, but he doesn't want to be found, and yeah, you can't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> David kind of nods and goes. It has been told to me that you wish to follow the Whispering Man. If this is correct, then you will keep this secret. Do you understand? Handrel looks a little bit conflicted for a moment, but he does nod. And it's none of my business, frankly. Let's get going. And uh, the three of you step back onto the teleportation sigil and head back down to the temple. You do notice when you appear back in the temple, Andrew is a little bit freaked out by all the, uh, well, death <laughs> yeah. everywhere around. And you do notice there are a number of other cultists walking about this place now. He does seem a little bit uh, on edge about the whole thing. I don't know if you want to say anything to him before you kind of continue. Yeah, I was just, just going to say, I might just put, like, put an arm around him, just reassure him, look. You know, this stuff is their thing. You do you, and they'll help you. Make me a persuasion. Oh, yeah! All the persuasion rolls to it. 21. Against an inside of 18. Hmm. Handroll. <laughs> Seems a little wavery at that, but does sort of nod and goes, right, okay. You do notice he he's taken out of his pocket the two gold coins, and he's doing that thing where he kind of spins them around his fingers. He seems pretty focused. He seems to be focusing on that rather than what's going on around him. Yeah. David leads you guys deeper into the temple, and yeah, it is, it's still kind of a horror show all the way down as you're walking through what was once a temple to some presumably forgotten garden now has been a truly profaned and desecrated temple to the Whispering Man. Quite deep down, he takes you to an area that, in the distance you see, is actually quite lit up and open. He nods and goes, We have the creature in there. It seems fascinated with the arcane energy we left. You'll find it attempting to study one of the globes. And you do kind of see as you look through the first door, there's one glowing ball of, like, blue crackling energy. As you kind of look further into room, there's another one at the far end. And you see this medium-sized, hunched-over creature seems to be stood in front of it, like, paying a hell of a lot of attention to it, almost like it's desperately interested in it. 
it's it's about um about your size it's kind of hunched over it's it's muscled and clawed and it has like spikes along its back as it kind of twitches around you do notice that it just has one large eye almost like a cyclops okay david uh kind of gestures to the two of you to well this is your job effectively and so he turns and turns to walk away as once you have dealt with it return to me and he uh, wanders off okay um so first question mm-hmm. um would i have had a short rest or and got some abilities back or not i will say given the time you spent you would have had a short rest at the very least so you can spend your hit dice to have recovered yeah. what you need to recover I will also say, because you were doing this as you went back to the townhouse, you are attuned mm-hmm. to the gauntlets of giant strength. Awesome. Which sets your strength to 21. Oh, right, sweet. Even though I'm missing two. Indeed. Yeah. Booyah. So, do I, wait, to do that, do I just move, do I just change the mass score? Yep, just change your score up to yeah. 21. Make a note okay. of it in your class what your original yeah. strength was, because basically what the gauntlets do is, regardless of your strength, as long as you're not already higher than 21, it sets your strength to 21. Alright, okay. So, let me scroll down a bit. Okay. So, ridge strength, 17. Um, hit dice, hit dice, hit dice. How many of these do I have? You have two total. So, one, and let's use two. Why not? Okay, so you fail for a seven and a six. So, 13 total. Which puts me near, near in full health, which is good. And I should get my spells back. Uh, you don't get spells back. That's a long rest for you. Oh, is it? Right. You're a, so you're a paladin. Oh, okay, okay. So, I have one. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Handrel kind of turns to you, like, kind of crouching down next to the door <coughs> as you look into this kind of open chamber with these two orbs of this creature. Yes. So, this is it then, right? We kill this thing and then I get what I want. Kill this thing, take its eye, and you should get what you want. Cool. Well then, no time like the present. And Handrel is going to attempt to stealth into the room. Yeah. Quite right. Yeah. Which is with advantage, as he has his cloak up. And he nice. rolls a 25. Now, I just need to check something with this creature. Interesting. So it's going to make a perception check as it is very nervous and jumpy and is looking around. Now Cloak of Elvenkind means that anything taking a perception check against Handrel is done at disadvantage. Yep. However, this thing has an ability called Keen Sight, which gives it advantage, so they cancel each other out and it will roll perception straight. Okay. So let's see if he spots Handrel. Wow. With a... Crit. 22. Oof. Jesus. <laughs> well, a crit 
is an automatic success. Oh, crap. Yeah. That's unfortunate. So as Handrel attempts to stealth into the room, I'm going to say he gets to there, just round this pillar, as he was trying to get closer. The creature head sort of jumps around and you notice its eye kind of focuses in for a second on you and sort of screams out in this kind of garbled mess of a language, just like, Yes! And uh, we roll an initiative. Andrew, what's your initiative, my friend? Well, Andrew with a five. And my weird and wonderful little creature down here with a 16. Jesus. That's not too bad. So, it goes first, followed by you. The Nothic, mm -hmm. as it's called. Let's have a quick look here. Okay. I believe it only moves 30. Yep. So it is going to move away from the weird arcane orb that it was coveting. It's going to move right to there. Right in front of Handrel. As it scutters almost along the ground, like doing these big loping leaps as it gets closer to him, its eye seems to focus intently on Handrel for a moment as it shoots this beam of energy, this kind of decaying blast square at Handrel's face. And Handrel needs to make me a constitution save. That's not bad. 19. Ooh. That is a... That's a success. I just need to check. Is that half damage or no damage? That is no damage. I know. As this weird sort of grayish light washes over Handrel, he kind of ducks down a little bit, like holds his cape up to sort of protect himself, or holds his cloak up to protect himself, and he just sort of steals his willpower against the thing, and just sort of shrugs it off. And that's the, uh, the Nothic's turn done. Rogar, you're up. Uh, I can get to it there, I think. So I'm gonna... I'm gonna run at it. Uh, and... Yeah, I'm gonna take a swing at it. With my maul. Okay. Nice. Wow, with a 25 and 10 points of bludgeoning damage, you come barreling past Handel as he's kind of shaking off that uh, weird eye beam attack. The Nothic's focusing all its energy on Handel, and he doesn't see you just come barreling into the room, swinging your maul and just cracking it square across the skull, almost knocking it straight to the ground in one attack. As usual, you see a bit of a spurt of blood come off this thing, and it soaks into the mall. Nice. Yeah, a little bit of damage there. Are you doing anything else? Um. Yeah, you know what? Uh, actually, out of character minute. What's Handel's AC? Handel's AC is fifteen. Right. I'm just thinking because because it's focused on Handel. I'm going to cast Shield of Faith on him, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, so, boom. 
Right then. I will cast Shield of Faith on Hendril. You cast Shield of so Faith. Two to his AC. Cool. As you reach your hand down, this greenish light kind of flows out from you, wraps itself around Handrel. He gains that kind of weird, almost cloak of tendrils that seems to normally gather around you. Handrel kind of has a moment where he looks at it and is a little bit freaked out, but then kind of smiles. And, yeah, it is his turn, and he is going to do something he doesn't normally do. Handrel is going to rush into combat and flank the creature. He runs past you and pulls out a pair of daggers, which means as he's flanking, he's going to attack with advantage, which means if he hits, he gets his sneak attack. So with his first attack, he's going to attack with advantage, and with a 21, doing 7 points of damage, he does indeed hit. And as it's his first attack, he gets his sneak attack on top of that for an additional five points. Nicely done, Mr. Handrel. So, with his first attack, he knocks off 12 points. So that knocks him down to that. And with his offhand attack, he's going to attack again with his dagger. And let's see if he hits. Also with advantage, because still flanking. Nice. Wow. Damn. So with an 18, he hits and does another 7 points of damage. Bring it down to... Yeah. Okay, so you see Handrel, as I say, do something he doesn't normally do. He tends to kind of stay back a little bit. But seeing that you've kind of distracted the creature, he slips in behind it and you just see him go to town with these two small pairs of daggers slashing this thing across its spine sending a spurt of this grayish green blood all over the floor seems to really hurt it now it's the Nothic's turn first off it's going to attempt to use its rotting gaze on you Rogar, so make me a constitution save ooh just Again, this uh, creature focuses this weird sort of grayish eye beam on you, and it just washes over you. And for a moment, you kind of feel yourself just withering under its sight, but you manage to shake it off. And, uh, yeah. You uh, take no damage. And that means you are up next. Uh, and I'm going to take a big swing at it with my ball. With advantage. With advantage, yeah. And that Nineteen is with nine. Nineteen <laughs> with nine. Nice. That indeed hits. As you shake off that uh, eye beam, you just walk straight through it and smash this thing one more time, square into the ribs now. You hear a few of them break underneath the power of your maul. Nah, it is not looking good. Uh, looking a little bit hurt. And next up, Mr. Handrel. And again, he's going to attempt to go in with his daggers. Sensing a bit of blood in the water, he's going to go in with advantage as he's still flanking. The 13, however, 
he is not successful. That's a shame. And with his second attack. Oh, nice. That one hits, surely. That one does indeed hit with a 21. It takes five points of piercing damage. You see the first one kind of scrapes off the side of this creature's hide, but just as it as Handel kind of spins into it, he jams his other dagger straight up right in between its ribs that you just broke. This thing screams out in this like garbled language of just agony at this point. And the nothing goes next. And it is going to attack you square in the face with its claws kind of getting a little bit feral at this point so it's first attack misses second attack hits with a 22 yeah and make me a constitution save for your concentration check yeah 12. That's 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next up, Roga. Uh, take another swing at it, because I think I've got this thing hurt. Well, I'm sure I've got this thing hurt. Mm. It's definitely bleeding. <sighs> <laughs> with. As you're stood there, you, with a natural 20. You see Handel jams its, his dagger up into this thing's side, almost holding it still in place. You take your maul and just over-the-top swing straight down onto this thing's shoulder blade, shattering it into a number of pieces, taking the arm clean off. It just screams in agony as this blood, this like grayish-green blood sprays everywhere, and it drops to the floor. Your maul just absorbing the absorbing all the blood into it. As it does so, you notice the symbol of the whispering man on your maul starts to glow. And it's almost like your maul is covered in this eldritch green aura as it starts to glow outward. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely killed it. Yeah, and it is dead. Yes. Uh, yeah. Handel cut out his hand. <laughs> yeah. Handel uh, wipes the sweat off his brow. He kind of he you do notice he looks a bit more intense than he normally does as he kind of drops down to his knees and gets to work cutting out the eye. It's quite large. It's like bigger than. Like you can hold it in two hands. It's almost like a little bowling ball. Sure. Yeah. And you, uh, I guess, take it back to the cultus. Yes, yeah. yeah. You find David not too far away. He seems to have just been stood back waiting for you guys. As you approach with the eye, he sort of nods towards you both. I see you were successful then. Nothing to it, mate. Mm. <laughs> probably a little, probably a little less formal than I should have been. <laughs> Put it this way: you asked for a job doing, we got the job done, as you should come to expect. He nods and goes, "Indeed, she will be pleased." 
follow me. And he walks you guys back up into what you've come to consider the main part of the temple. He doesn't take you to the lab, though. He walks back to what you've considered the ritual room, a room that you were in the first time you came here, where it's a large kind of chamber with underneath you can sense you can see in fact this purplish light coming up through the cracks in the stone and there's a number of seemingly cultists of different robes and chanting and like praying all around the room in the middle of the room stands the crimson tongue and her apostle the armored knight of sorts that stands next to her She's already facing you as you guys walk into the room. With a nod, she kind of dismisses David as he walks out. Yes. I knew you two would not disappoint. Well, the Whispering Man has showed faith to us. He has indeed. It seems he is happy to welcome another into the flock. Come. Give that to me. Yeah, we'll go give it to her. <laughs> yeah. You uh, walk over and hand the eye to her. She um, she raises her hand, and from the side, a couple of cultists walk into the room and put in front of her like a small altar made of, seemingly just made of stone. You do notice it has the Whispering Man's symbol carved into the front of it, and she places the eye on top of the altar, looking towards the pair of you. She then signals to another couple of cultists on the other side, and they walk up holding a box. It looks like a an old wooden box, but the box is like... It's like a black wood. It looks ancient. She takes the box and walks up to Handrel for your success today. I believe this is what you are looking for. And she passes the box over to him. Handrel looks a little bit confused and he kind of checks the box over a little bit, like not sure whether this is going to explode in his face or something. And he opens it up. And you can see, because you're stood next to him, a pair of daggers. A twin set, in fact. They look identical. The hilt is made of silver and jade with a bit of black leather underneath it. The blades themselves are just jet black. They almost look like they're made of obsidian. He takes the pair of them out and kind of holds them in his hands and goes, well, well, they're nice, well-balanced. Not entirely sure how this helps me. You do know why I'm here, right? She smiles and sort of nods. Yes, yes, my dear Handrel, I know exactly why you've come to us. The blades will help, but you're looking for something more. Come here. He follows her as she walks back towards where she's placed the eye. She turns to him and goes, 
on your knees. Pandrel looks a little bit hesitant, but he kind of goes down on both knees and has the daggers held out in front of him. We will now commence the ritual to put you in touch with our God to see if the whispering man will gift his blessing upon you. You notice around the room the the warlocks or sorcerers or wizards or whatever they are, the ones who seem to be part of this ritual, they start chanting. And you actually understand the language, thanks to your comprehend language. You know it's it's the language that these guys have spoken before that you've never quite understood. It seems to be almost a repetitive chant. He sleeps, he watches, he waits, he comes, madness will rise. And they're just repeating it over and over again in this language that you otherwise would have no idea what it was. And as they keep chanting it, it almost resonates through the air (coughs) as they start mixing in what you take to be arcane phrases and words. And this greenish, eldritch energy starts to pass out of their hands and all seems to collect in front of the eye that's on this altar. The Crimson Tongue herself puts her hand on top of it and as she does the eye moves just a little bit. It twitches back and forth and eventually it looks at you for a moment and then it looks down at Handrel and that baleful light that came from the eye before comes out again but this time it's it's almost like a a reddish color casting these strange shadows over Handrel. you watch as the shadows that come off him at his back seem to stretch out far longer than they should Handrel seems to sit there for a moment not saying anything and the crimson tongue doesn't seem to say a word either they all seem to be very focused on this ritual You notice as Handrel takes the blades, turns them around, and slams both of them into his stomach. Blood seems to pour down around him, soaking the stones and the floor, spreading out. You don't hear him gasp or scream or anything. You see... It's all seems to cast these strange shadows with this weird light from the eye focused on him. And then in an instant, the blood seems to soak back up into his body. The light stops. The crimson tongue removes her hand from the eye. Handrel opens his eyes and stands up. He walks away and comes back to you and just sort of nods. It's done. Dude, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. I think I got what I came for. I told you it'd help, mate. Yeah. 
he opens both his hands and you see as the blades that were once held almost seem to form out of his flesh and bone and extend until they're just blades again in both hands. And he's just holding them now as if they were always just there. He goes, I see what she means. I can find him now. I know where he is. He kind of takes a deep breath. Let's get out of here. Fine by me, buddy. You got what you wanted. That's all I can do. Mm. Mm. They don't seem to be stopping you leaving if you just wish to leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're just. I'm just. I'm not going to say anything, I'm just going to, yeah, walk out. Okay. As you're walking away and you're out of the temple, you're a little bit. You're starting to make your way back up to the city proper. Handrel starts talking to you a little bit and he goes, Does he speak to you? He has done in the past, yes. Um, but. Not all the time. I have my quest and I know what I must do. Interesting. Because I can hear something. Wasn't a bloke, though. What? Don't know. What was it then? It was. It was. Beautiful. And fucking horrifying. I don't know, it's hard to... It's hard to know exactly what I saw. But... She said she'd help me. She said... As long as I did... What he wants... She'd help me. That... Sounds about right. <laughs> if I'm honest. Just out, out, out of character, Zach. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if my character would be. I'm, I'm assuming that that's her talking to him and like almost like relaying messages, whereas I would talk directly to him. Um, so I, I don't know if I could put that to him or not. I mean, you could ask him directly, was it the Crimson Tongue speaking to you? Yeah, yeah. I'll that. Okay. Handrel kind of thinks for a moment and then shakes his head like, no, no, I don't, I don't think it was a, I saw something else, there was something else in the room, she was, it's hard to describe, her skin was all grey and, I don't know, she, where there was, should have been hair, there was these long tendril-like things. Her eyes were just jet black. Do you not see her? No, mate, I didn't see her at all. Interesting. Well, whatever. 
she helps, she helps. Yeah, I say, I told you I'd find a way to get some help. Hmm. The rest is up to you. Well, I know where the man who killed them is. I think... He looks at the daggers for a moment and goes, I think... These things tell me where he is. I can kind of... Sense a direction. He's far away, but... At least now I know where I can look. Yeah, what's that? That's out of character. Would that sound plausible to me? Um, there is magic. I'm it would. Yeah, I mean, there's magic that can be used to locate people and locate objects and stuff. You I mean you're not particularly familiar with it, but I, from your limited knowledge, that's something that might be feasible. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I'll say, yeah. Sounds sounds reasonable to me. But if he's far, far away, then we've got some other things to see to first and then we'll go so we'll go take care of it. That sounds alright. I've waited nearly twenty years. A little bit more time won't matter. Cool. Mm-hmm. And unless there's anything else, I assume the pair of you make your way back to the house. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think that's where we'll end it. So, thank you everyone for joining us for this very special episode. I hope you uh, all enjoyed getting a little bit of, I guess, secret backstory for some things. Yeah. For those of you super interested in a a metagame level... Handrel's next level will be cross-classing into Warlock. Ooh. But that won't be for a little while yet. Think of this as his initiation into the class. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> yeah, it should, uh, should be interesting. So, yeah, well, thank you for joining me, James. And, uh, oh, more than welcome. Yeah, Thanks. I hope you had fun. Enjoyed it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Always good doing secret shit behind the other guys' back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we just need to see if they listen to this one back or not. I know Matt will. <laughs> I know he will too. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, well, thank you everyone who uh, joined us to listen to this one. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Spreaker. We've mentioned before, we have a Facebook page and a WordPress webpage so there's lots of extra information on there if you want to check all that out and uh james if you want to plug yourself before we finish yeah uh if you enjoy listening to me and want to hear my voice some more check out the lost art of podcasting and the lost art of wrestling available on all good podcast providers and um, you can follow them on twitter at lost art podcast mm-hmm. Well, thank you everyone for joining us and we will see you next week back with the full team. Goodbye, everyone. See you.